You're listening to Once, episode 245, Sisters, Initial Reactions. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron, And we just finished watching this episode, Sisters. But before we get into digging into our initial reactions of this episode, make sure that you get a chance to listen to our full discussion of the Ruby Slippers episode. The reason why I'm reminding you is... We published it on Sunday morning, the day that Once Upon a Time airs because of the shift in schedule with my travel and a bunch of other things layering on top of each other. We had to delay the scheduling. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you'll want to listen to that full discussion. There's something uh, important at the beginning as well as two hours almost of discussion about the episode plot points and such. So if you accidentally skip that episode, Make sure you go back and listen to oncepodcast.com slash 244. But for this episode, we just watched this episode, Sisters. And I thought this was a really good episode. What do you think, Erin? I really liked this episode. I didn't know it was called Sisters again until just now when you said that. But uh, very appropriate. Yeah, it was very emotional. They closed a lot of doors, I guess, like explained a lot of things. And there was I felt like it was a, an episode of closure. Yeah, and a lot of feels, but the, the thing I feels? didn't like, yeah, a lot of emotion going on, and <laughs> and I was I was tempted to cry a couple of times. The one thing I felt didn't work all that well is the whole childhood sisters part of the episode. But I can I saw how they wove it together. But when I first started seeing that, I was thinking, uh, really, this seems kind of like retroactive continuity or going back and writing something in and fitting it in and conveniently erasing it with a forgetting potion as they do sometimes (laughs) and once upon a time. So it seemed a little convenient, but it fit nicely with the story. I, I don't think it necessarily fits with the history and the, the actual mythology of the show, but this was a really pretty episode, a beautiful episode in many ways. And And speaking of beautiful, at the end of the episode, it said on the screen, in loving memory of Scott Nimmerfro. Scott was an executive producer for 32 of the episodes of Once Upon a Time, as well as a producer on several other movies and like Hannibal and X-Men and Tales from the Crypt and more. And he died quite recently. So uh, our hearts go out to his family. And it was really nice of the ABC team to put that nice little comment there to say in loving memory of Scott, 1961 to 2016. And this episode, I think, was a very fitting one to say goodbye to someone the Once Upon a Time staff loved, as well as, I don't like it, but I think at this point we have to say goodbye to Cora, like permanently, like we may never get to see Cora ever again in the show. In present day. Yes, but in a way, as much as I love seeing Korra, because I think she's my favorite villain of the show. Every time, ever since we first got to meet her in season one and I started looking for connections with her, every time she would appear in an episode, I would always write in my show notes, 
uh, all caps, Cora, <laughs> because it was really exciting to see her. But at this point, with with such a beautiful goodbye, I feel like if we got to see her in a flashback, it would kind of cheapen what happened and cheapen that emotional goodbye to Cora. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's true. I, I just feel like because we hadn't really seen this this kind of age of Regina before that we did get to see in this flashback that they they potentially opened a whole new kind of section of the timeline that we haven't seen before that they could very easily now go back to if they so felt inclined. It yeah. was a very beautiful um, ending and it was, I was kind of confused when it was almost like, was she redeemed or wasn't she redeemed? And was she moving on or was she going into the fire? And she did end up beautifully getting to getting to move on. So, yeah, and it's a it's a good reminder that even in your final days, you can make things right. That doesn't prevent consequences, but there's there's always a chance to uh, to repent, to make things right, to ask for forgiveness, to try to show love. You may not be able to make up for all of the lost time and lost love and and damage and all of that. But there is always that chance still to turn around. And Once Upon a Time has been really nice in showing that uh, in a different way than I necessarily agree with theologically, but it works for the story that they're telling. I was wondering, because they brought that fire up, I was wondering, are they going to make her go to the worst place? But they wouldn't do that, not after such a beautiful reunion and bringing back the memories and all of those feels, they wouldn't make her do that. But then I started to think, what if, what if Hades shows up right at the last minute? And he's like, no, not another one. I'm not letting anyone else leave. And then he pushes her down into the fiery pit. If that could have even happened. I was wondering if they, when the fire did come up, I was wondering if they were going to use that kind of as a teaching moment that, just because you're good in your very last kind of breath and find that closure doesn't necessarily negate all the damage that you've done in your life and that some things are kind of beyond that level of forgiveness, but that wouldn't really be true to the show either. Although like Cora is kind of the most evil that we've seen be redeemed. I would say Cora was far worse than Regina ever was. Right. And Cora was so bad because she had ripped out her own heart. In fact, you look at the flashbacks and the way that she ripped Regina and Zelina apart from each other and how heartless she was. Well, remember, she was literally heartless. And that's why she couldn't feel love and couldn't sympathize with hope and joy and all of those emotions. Yes. And just to remind everybody, she took her own heart. Out and that made that choice for herself. Right. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, she's not the worst villain that we've seen on the show for sure. But just when you think about the things that she orchestrated and why she did it, it just seems so, it seems like it was a lot for not a lot, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And as a brief reminder, what had happened is she ripped her heart out instead of ripping out the king's heart in the episode The Miller's Daughter, and she gave her heart to Rumpel, uh, literally gave it, not, <laughs> not emotionally, or she showed it to him, and that's when she said, love is weakness, and that's why I pulled my heart out. 
And then when she was killed in that same episode, that's when Regina was tricked into putting the heart back into Cora. But Snow had already done the whole Cora thing, <laughs> which then resulted in killing Cora. But Cora's last words were she looked at Regina and said, You would have been enough. And I expected those words to come back again in this episode, especially during that goodbye scene. But I think what she said instead was good enough. I remember all of that now that you're reminding me. And I referenced that episode in our initial reactions last week when I was talking about Belle accidentally flinging Gaston not being the same thing as Snow whispering, Cora, over a candle intentionally. Yeah. But uh, I also remember making a reaction video to that episode, and there was a clip of Ding Dong, the witch is dead. So, (laughs) (laughs) bittersweet. And speaking of bittersweet and pushing people into the river, I thought it was really cool to see James and David face off. But then I think throwing James into the river like that, again, another thing that was It was the only thing that seemed like it could be done at that point, as if David had no choice, but he really would have rather not have done it that way. I think that's the problem between heroes and villains is villains don't care and heroes do. So like heroes are constantly being put in this position of basically you have to kill them. Otherwise, they're just going to keep coming back for you. And charming like you could tell charming cared He didn't want to do that. He wanted to make things right. He wanted to see the best in James, but James just didn't give him any other option. And that's really all he could do. Like less, otherwise he would have been killed or James would have taken the baby or somebody else would have died. So I'm glad we got to see that interaction. I was half expecting them trying to convince Emma, which, which one was really the dad. No, no, shoot him. He's the evil one. No, it's me. Can't you tell I'm your dad? It was nice that they were dressed slightly differently. They had differently colored shirts, which helped us to recognize who was whom. We do now know a couple things about everyone's time in the underworld. First of all, there is a nighttime in the underworld. It does get dark, which makes for great romantic dinners up on the hill. Unless Hades made it go dark so that he could have that little romantic dinner with (laughs) Zelina. We also now know that all of the heroes' names are on tombstones, so they can't simply leave like Snow did. That's a nice way of covering all of his bases for Hades. (laughs) And we also know that our heroes can be killed in the underworld and then become permanent residents, which is kind of odd because it's like, what would happen if you shot them? And I'm not suggesting they do this, but if you shot one of the heroes, would they just stay there but now suddenly... They're dead, but they haven't moved. They're still there. I just wonder, what what would that look like? And that's just because that was said. It's It didn't actually happen, right? right? So it could still be a ploy. Yeah, true. I would find it hard to believe that they could be killed in the underworld since they're in the underworld and life and death shouldn't happen there. I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. I haven't thought about that enough to have a coherent opinion on it. <laughs> Yeah. But speaking of coherent, you know who are some of the most coherent people in the entire world? 
our wonderful heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. We really appreciate it, and we could not do the podcast without you. So for this episode, special thanks to Lisa Slack, David Newland, and our 32 heroes on Patreon. We really appreciate the support episode after episode, helping to cover the costs of running the podcast, enabling us to do certain things with the podcast that we couldn't do without your support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We have got some wonderful bloopers to share. I still need to edit them together because of traveling, getting the latest bloopers from the last couple episodes together have been a little bit delayed. But if you've been supporting our podcast directly through PayPal or a credit card and you want access to those bloopers, then email me, daniel at onespodcast.com, and I can give you the instructions for how to switch over to Patreon so that you can get access to those bloopers. And you can be a contributor of any amount and you get access to those bloopers, but we do give special benefits to higher levels of support. So check out your options for supporting the podcast and being among the most coherent people in the world by going to onespodcast.com slash hero. But even if you can't support us, you're still coherent. So share this episode with someone. Go to onespodcast.com slash 245 and click on those social sharing buttons to tweet it, Facebook it, Google Plus it, Reddit it, or Pinterest it, or anything like that to share it online. And that's one of the best ways that you can help us. And thank you for your support. I was happy to also see Peter Pan in this episode. I saw Robbie Kay's name in the credits, and it got me to thinking, is he actually in this episode, or did they just include that because it's you know they're including the names of everyone for the entire season just to throw us off? I did not notice the name. And I mean, I guess I was happy to see him. He was a very good villain, but mm-hmm. not a huge fan of his actions. Yeah. I forgot that there was even this deal between Zelina and Rumple that Rumple couldn't hurt her. And that's so did I. (laughs) Yeah, I I'm sure Jacqueline, our walking dictionary, the once upon a time nerd, hashtag hire the nerd, ABC Disney, hire Jacqueline. Seriously, I am not kidding. You need to hire her. But uh, she'll probably be able to tell us and she's probably saying it into the podcast speakers right now saying exactly what episode it was and what that plot was. But we'll bring that in our upcoming full discussion. But nonetheless, After seeing this beautiful reunion with Cora and the way the relationship was made right and the beautiful goodbye and all of that stuff, and then Regina basically saying, you go pursue the man you love and perhaps you can change him. Uh, Perhaps your love can change him. And there's a lot of great hope in that. And that, that is nice. But then as soon as Rumpel showed up, I started thinking, no, no, no. I mean, yes, there's the whole thing of this is Hades and Zelina, which is just weird, but also the way that they fell in love, the way that they're pursuing each other is really beautiful too. So in a way, I'm I'm now kind of rooting for them to get together because perhaps Zelina could change Hades. Yeah, see, here's the thing about relationships <laughs> women always think they can change the guy and they can't <laughs> yep that's if the so guy true. wants to change he will change and if he wants to change for her that's even better yeah but she's like look at rumple and bell 
And, you know, the flip side is the guy often doesn't want the girl to change, but the girl changes all the time. Yeah. Now, by the way, our other walking once upon a time encyclopedia, Matthew Paul, who helps moderate the forums, did point out for us in the chat room that it was back in the episode Heart of Gold in season four when Rumple made a deal not to hurt Zelina. The deal was that she gives Rumple the heart potion and he stops trying to kill her. So that's where it came from. So naturally, he goes to his father, who hurt him more than anybody else in the world. Yeah. And goes back on that offer that Pan made originally for, hey, son, let's get together and rule the galaxy together because I am your father. Oh, man. There's a book called The Psychology of Fairy Tales, I think, that I really want to read now. <laughs> that And it's a, it's a cute little story about how Jennifer Goodwin had given it to Jennifer Morrison before either one of them got cast for this show and whatever. But the the psychology of these relationships is really fascinating to me. And how, yeah, sure, that guy who, you know, caused all of the pain and suffering in my entire life must be the answer to all my problems now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't really apply too much logic to some of this stuff. Yeah, like the magical wristband that's make, made an appearance again. Yeah. That wasn't logical from the get-go because that was in the Greg and Tamara you know, well, season. Well, I, I do still defend that. And I still defend the taser, too. It, it's do you? A magical, the magical taser. <laughs> yeah. Their problem was not what it did their problem was using an object that's very familiar to us and using it in a way that's very familiar to us and then making us think that it does something special but with that bracelet we've seen that bracelet throughout the season since we season have. two and it was actually something that peter pan made remember it didn't work yeah. on him and he even said i made this it's just very convenient that whenever they need to have an action showdown instead of a magic showdown they just kind of pop that baby on and yeah it it still works in the underworld and so is it a living soul <laughs> probably oh wait you know how it could have gotten to the underworld what? on zelina no no wait sorry i'm forgetting my <laughs> huh here's what i'm remembering is rumple was wearing that band pan had put it on him rumple was wearing it at the mid-season finale of season three, when he killed Peter Pan there in the center of the town. And that's when Rumpel went to the underworld before then being resurrected at the Dark One Vault. So maybe the bracelet went with him. But then I have to think about, are there other times since then that we saw the bracelet used? Then again, as Noni is saying in the chat room, maybe Hades makes his own bracelets. Which could certainly be the case. Because we saw the bracelet a lot when Zelina and Regina were having the little spats. Zelina had the bracelet on. Yeah, that's true. I do have two words I have to say. Otherwise, Jeremy will be very disappointed in me. Blood magic. (laughs) Yeah. Because blood magic. At least they were kind of consistent with it in, in this episode. It's one of those rules they set up early on that, yes, they are still sticking to in seemingly the same way. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Maybe not its original inception, but I'm okay with it now. 
Have we ever seen before that a spell can't be undone by the same magic that cast it? Is that new? That was weird. Cora couldn't save Regina because it was her magic that did that to her, but it still had to be blood magic that saved her. That that seemed a little far-fetched and yeah. convenient for an episode called Sisters. <laughs> So what did you think of this episode? We'd love to have your feedback and your theories about where we could be going from here and what might Rumpel have in mind for Zelina and how would that play in with Peter Pan reappearing? So please contact us through the website at oncepodcast.com. We have all of our feedback information in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 245. And that is the same place you can go to comment on this episode, send us feedback, or share this episode out with your friends to get them also theorizing with you on what's happening in Once Upon a Time. And we'd love to incorporate your feedback into our upcoming full discussion, which will be back on the regular schedule now that I'm back from my travels. Please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. Join us again this Wednesday for our upcoming full discussion. And please remember to nominate us in the podcast awards. For quick instructions for that, go to noodle.mx slash podcast awards. And until next time, will you make chaos with me? And thanks for listening. One's podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of those heroes and get access to fun bloopers and other bonus stuff, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.